Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. This morning, if you have a copy of the scriptures, we're going to be in John 15. So if you have an app on your phone, maybe a Bible that you brought with you, uh, you can go there. Also, we're going to have it on the screens for you as well in the same translation that I'm reading out of. Just so you know, I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. This is um, a a translation that's been re-released recently. And the reason I like this translation is that I find it to be readable, and yet there's a lot of accuracy in how they translate the words from the original languages. So if you're wondering, why does Chris read out of this translation? Now you know, all right? So John 15, we're looking at an I am statement of Jesus where he says, I am the vine. Okay, we're going to read this together. And this starts in verse 1. This is Jesus talking, and he says, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will be, or so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, I I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I've heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that he will give you. This is what I command, love one another. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, this past week, I was, uh, I was thumbing through Netflix. I don't know if, if y'all are, are, have cut the cord yet in your house, right? So my wife and I are kind of in that limbo phase. We have cable, but we still have, you know, all these streaming services. And I'm at that place, that frustrating place where I've watched all my shows, 
Have you ever been there before? The beautiful thing about Netflix is like you can watch one show after another, after another. And the only problem is like in, in a week, you can burn through an entire season, right? And then you're like bummed. You have to wait a whole year for that, that show to come back out. So I've, I'm, I'm in one of those places, right? Where I'm, I'm just, I, 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 there's an irony around this. I don't wanna waste my time on a show that I don't wanna watch. And so I waste my time reading about shows. So I literally thumb through all these shows. This week, I land on a documentary about Billy Graham. Now, this is an amazing documentary. If you haven't watched this, you need to check it out. People that are my age and younger, probably we know the name Billy Graham. We've heard that name before, but you probably don't remember the time. It was before our time when he was really, really active in his ministry. You need to check it out. So I'm seeing the story of Billy Graham. He's the one that spoke to uh, stadiums full of people all across the U.S., all across the world. And he, uh, he was the son of a farmer out in the middle of the sticks, right? He grew up a regular boy. He, he was a girl crazy teenager, okay? He was chasing the ladies and there was a traveling evangelist that had come into his town and, you know, they would set up the big tent and the, the evangelist would speak for weeks and weeks. And finally he got invited by some friends, probably a girl was gonna be there. So he thought, okay, I'll, I'll go see the evangelist, right? And there in that service, he, um, he accepts Christ, that God gets a hold of his heart and he begins to have this appetite for the things of God. He, he starts reading his Bible. He starts learning about what the pastors are teaching on, on Sundays. And so he has this new appetite for the things of God. And, and then he begins to get these opportunities to share with other youth. And he would speak at an event and, and you know, four or five teenagers would come forward at the end. And he thought, Oh, this is amazing. And so he pursues this calling, and you know how that story goes. He's the one who um, filled a, a Times Square with like tens of thousands of people. He was televised and always just true to the message, preaching the gospel of Jesus. And I'm, I'm sitting there on my couch, right, watching and hearing the stories of these people that received Christ through Billy Graham hearing the stories about how he, he counseled numerous presidents at key moments in our nation's history, hearing the stories about how um, his family knew him and the impact that he had on his family. And there's something inside of me that just kind of resonated with that. Like I'm sitting there, I've got tears coming down my eyes, right? I'm, I'm by myself. Thankfully, Casey's in the other room. She's not there to like make fun of me as I like cry watching this documentary about Billy Graham. But I just, there's something in me that rises when I hear stories of people who live a fruitful life. I think there's something in us as, as human beings created in God's image. There's something in us that wants our life to have some kind of impact, some kind of lasting impact. We want to do something good with ourselves. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here in this passage. He keeps referring to this word fruitfulness, a fruitful life, a life that makes a difference. 
Now, I want you to understand the context of the time where Jesus is speaking. We've been doing this every week, going back to understand the Jewishness of Jesus. He was not an American. So we, we read the Bible uh, as, you know, people who are from the West, who, who grew up here probably, and, and we read it in a certain way. It's different from how they would have heard the words of Jesus. So back in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 7, Isaiah prophesied this. He said, the vineyard of the Lord is Israel. And when the disciples who are sitting there with Jesus are hearing him talk about the true vine, they would have this image in their mind. When they walked into the temple, there was the entrance to the sanctuary, and there were these four columns right there. And on those columns were this golden vine, right, this decoration that went all the way around. And on that vine, there's, there's leaves and, and, and fruit that are made out of gold, right? And this was the symbol for them of Israel is the vine. And if you want to be connected to God, you had to connect to Israel. And you probably know a little bit about the Old Testament, how they had sacrifices in a temple, they had a priesthood and all this stuff. And what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, look, all of this stuff is now being fulfilled. He said, I didn't come to abolish the Old Testament. I came to fulfill it. So he is that perfect sacrifice. He's the lamb of God. Jesus is the, is the perfect high priest that lives to make intercession for God's people. It says he sits at the right hand of the Father and makes intercession for us, for his people. So he is the, he's the, the temple, right? His body is the temple of the Holy Spirit now. So he's come to fulfill all that stuff. And he's kind of drawing that line of saying, look, all that, that, that has served its purpose. The time has come. Now I am the true vine. Meaning you don't have to connect to Israel any longer to be connected to God. Now you have to connect to Jesus. I am the vine. I was talking to Amando before the service, and he was telling me about a moment he had working this weekend where he, um, he just had a customer come in, and, and she had turned out she'd had a friend going through cancer, and just like the Lord just kind of opened up this conversation. He got to just say something where he felt like God used him. Have you ever had a moment like that? Right, you, 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 you meet someone, maybe you give them a little money or you feel like compelled to give someone a meal or, or maybe a friend or a relative just calls you in a moment of crisis and you get to walk into like sacred ground and you have that feeling inside like, God just used me. That feeling, that feeling right there is one of the most precious feelings you will ever have on this side of heaven. A moment when you feel like you were fruitful. So throughout this passage we just read, he's talking about remaining in fruitfulness. Uh, your translation might say, abide, abide in me, you'll bear fruit. Remain, bear fruit over and over again, this interplay of remaining and bearing fruit. And so here's what I think we should do. I think we should just kind of talk about what does that mean for us? Like we all want our lives to make an impact. We all want to make a difference. So how does that happen? Well, the first point is, is simply this, that Jesus is the true vine. 
He's the true vine. And that means two different things for us. The first thing that means for us is that there's not another true vine out there somewhere. Because you and I, we're, we're, we're the kind of people that hook ourselves into things, right, to find life, to find value, to find meaning, to find significance with ourselves. And so in our area, it's a growing area. There's new neighborhoods popping up everywhere because here in Houston, there are great jobs. And people are coming from all over the, the world to our area and because they're probably hooked in in some way to the vine of career, right? They, they, they got their degree, maybe they, get, they did their master's or their PhD and now they're climbing that ladder. They got to pay for that college education and so now they're hooked into the vine of career and, and there's something about that that feels like it gives us value and significance. I think another thing about our area is that there's a rootedness about our area. I love the fact that this is an older area where multiple generations have lived here. My wife serves in the school here and kids will ask her, what school did you go to? because all of their family went to one of the schools around here. And so they're like, hey, what, what, no, are you blue track? Are you red track? Like, what, what are you, right? They wanna know, we're like, hey, we're, we're not from here. And that, I love that that's the norm. Like there's a rootedness, but I think there's like, there's a, a vine of family, like connection where we're, we're finding significance and value, just in the, the vine of family. The very first week I shared part of my testimony and <clears throat> my story, as a young man, I was just trying to figure out who I was, and I went through like a kicker phase and a, and a ghetto rap phase, and I tried all kinds of stuff trying to figure out who am I, right? And I was, I was hooking into people like the cool kids. I was trying to find those ones that I really admired, and I was trying to connect myself to that vines that we hook ourselves into. The only problem is that none of those vines have the ability to actually sustain us. Right? There's only one true vine that has life in it that will actually empower you to actually do something of significance and value in your life. There's only one true vine that can do that. All those other vines, right, they're, they're not sustainable, right? If you're, if you're hooked into your career and then you lose your job or you retire or your industry just gets totally like, it's a dinosaur industry that goes away because of the internet is changing everything, right? Then all of a sudden you've lost your life. You've lost your livelihood because you've connected to something that really wasn't sustainable. If you're connecting to people, the problem is that people love you one day and they might hate you tomorrow, right? It's fickle. It isn't sustainable. I think one of the other ways that we, um, that we are hooking into the vine, I think this is my generation, definitely probably most of us in this room have social media accounts. We have smartphones and on that smartphone, you've got entertainment and you've got text messages and you've got emails and you've got social media accounts and you have all this stuff and we can just sit. I mean, you just look around when you go into public, just look around and see how many people are just right here, hooked in, right? On the phone all the time connected to the screen and it's this this digital connection deception like there's there's something happen out there and I don't want to miss it and so we stay connected to our screens and the thing is 
that's not the source of life. Jesus is the vine, which means there's not another vine out there for you. He's the only one. The other thing that this means, and I think this is especially important for us to understand, is that you're not the vine. If Jesus is the vine, you're not the vine. I think that in our desire to be good Christians, there's something in us that's like a functional deism. Deism is this belief that God sets, he set the world in motion and just kind of stepped back and was like, all right, just let it, let, let's just let it play out. We, when we come to Christ, when we put our faith in him, we think, okay, oh man, this is awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I've got to be, become more kind and more loving and more faithful. And, I, and we begin to think that everything is self-generated. Like we're the vine. And all the love and all the goodness really comes out of us. And if there's a problem, it's all about us. Like, I, I'm not generating love. I'm not generating kindness. I'm not doing the things that God wants me to do. And so we think that as a good Christian, the noble thing to do is to live like we're the vine. The problem is that you're not the vine. Jesus says this, I am the vine and you're a branch. You're just a branch. That's really good news. If you've tried to be a vine before and realized you didn't have the power, you're just a branch. The other thing about this that I think is important for us is that if you're trying to be the vine for your family, guess what? You don't have the power to connect everyone in your family to God. You can't, can you? If you're trying to be the vine for your spouse or for your child or for your grandchild or for your parent or your grandparent, guess what? You cannot make them connect to Jesus. You're not the vine. You can't hold it all together. And I think this idea of this self-generated goodness or this idea that I am the one who makes everybody connect with God, that is like a backpack full of bricks that we start to carry around. And our walk with God gets really, really bogged in this whole thing. We start getting frustrated. We're like, God, where are you at? Because I'm holding this whole thing together and I'm trying to do all this stuff and we become angry and frustrated and bitter because we're trying to live like we're the vine. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You're not the vine. I'm the vine. There's no other vine out there for you but me. And guess what? You're not it either. And you have to connect yourself to me. He says this in verse five, the one who remains in me and I in him. The one, this word, the one is not like you get to connect everybody. It's singular, the one who remains. Being a spiritual leader in your home or in your family or in your work is very different from being a vine. Those are two totally different things. God has called you to be a spiritual leader. He has not called you to be the vine. So, this fruit bearing, what's up with the fruit bearing? Well, here's the thing. You and I were made for this. 
The reason why my heart was turning as I watched this documentary about a person who made an impact is because there's something deep inside my core that says, yes, I was made for this. I want to be a person who makes an impact. And I think there's something inside of you that knows you were made for this. You were actually made to change the world. You were made to bear fruit. There's something that God wove down inside of you when he knit you together, when he created us in his image that says we are supposed to do something with our lives, something of significance. The problem is I don't think most of us believe that we can. I was made to bear much fruit because here's the thing. He doesn't just say, bear fruit. He, he uses these words about pruning that they would produce more fruit. And then in, in verse 5, right, uh, that I in him produces much fruit. In verse 8, my father's glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. I, I, I want you to repeat this statement after me. I was made to bear much fruit. Say it with me. I was made to bear much fruit. That was terrible. Let's try it one more time. I was made to bear much fruit. That's the truth. You were made for that. You really were. God made you in such a way to have an impact. This is not something reserved for the spiritually elite. This is not something reserved for clergy this is for every person who is a follower of Jesus. If you believe in him, if you follow Jesus, he's gonna bear fruit through your life. It's gonna happen. He's gonna do it because you were made for this. There's two pictures in 2 Corinthians. Uh, the first comes out of chapter two and uh, in 2.14 it says that, that he spreads through us the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. I, I'm the kind of person that loves to wear cologne. I've, I've always loved that. And I know some of you hate cologne. You hate smelling cologne. I'm sorry, right? I'm the kind of guy that wears cologne, right? So if you don't want to hug me, I understand, right? I'm, I just love the way that smells. But the thing is, if you're a person who wears cologne or perfume or whatever, you, you will spray that on in the morning. And then throughout the day, you forget you have it on. It's that, like that commercial that talks about being nose blind, right? You become nose blind to what you smell like. And then every now and then you'll, you'll see somebody, you'll hug somebody, you'll greet someone, and they'll say to you, you smell so nice. What cologne do you wear? And you're, it's like you just forget that you have it on. And I think that's how it is when, when the life of Jesus begins to flow through us, when we're connected, that branch is connected to the vine, there's something flowing through you that you just forget about. And you're connecting with Jesus, and then as you get around other people that maybe aren't connecting with Jesus like that, they just, they get a, a, a sense, a smell, an aroma, fragrance of Jesus through you. The second picture that Paul uses is in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, and he talks about um, being an ambassador of Christ. You probably have heard this passage before. I want to I read a, a portion of this um, to you real fast because I love it. 
In, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, remember the vine, in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So that, that word reconcile is probably not a word that we use every day. That word would be like two enemies that are at odds with each other, right? You're at odds with somebody, and in this case, you're at odds with God. Our, our sinful condition puts us at odds with him, and something has to make peace between us and God, and that something was Jesus. When he hung on that cross for you, he paid the full penalty of all of your sin, like the full wrath of God was poured onto him so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see all of your sinfulness, he sees the perfection of his son Jesus on you, and now you have been connected, reconciled, brought back to the vine. And then he says, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That part of the fruit of your life is that you help other people connect to the vine, to be reconciled. And then he uses this in verse 20. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. Ambassadors are sent by a king or a president to another land. And all they do is relay what the king is saying. Right? All they do is they hear from the king, hey, tell the leaders there, da-da-da-da-da. Tell the people there, da-da-da-da-da. And all they do is relay a message. A message is literally just flowing through them. The king said it, it comes into me, and it goes out. See, this is the picture of the vine, of God's life flowing through you. His word remaining in you and then coming out of your life. His goodness flows into you and then it flows out of you. This is how he, he communicates through us because we're connected to the vine. See, you and I were made we were made for this. We were actually made to bear much fruit. What is fruit? That's a great question and we should ask. What is fruit? Because we could just start saying anything and everything is fruit. Well, let's just look at what the passage tells us here. We know in, in verse 10 of this passage that he starts to talk about love. He said, remain in my love. If, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. So this connection, this, this in Christ is marked by love. Like, his love is flowing into your life. And then he talks about loving one another. So now that love is flowing out of you. The, the branch is just getting love fed into it and the love is coming out. He talks about obedience, that it's marked by obedience that will do what he commands. Not because we're trying to make sure that we don't fall out of like, oh my gosh, if I, if I sin, if I mess up, like... God's going to be angry with me. The lightning bolt's going to come out of the sky. The policeman's going to pull me over on the way home from work, right? We start thinking like God's mad at me. He's like, no, 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 no. That's not why. That's fear-based. What I'm calling for is love-based obedience. 
When God says to you, hey, hey, don't do that. Please don't do that. That's not, that's not what I've called you to do. That's not what I've called you to be. It's not because he's angry at you. It's because he loves you. And when you say, okay, Lord, I love you. I want to do what you're calling me to do. I want to, I want to be who you're calling me to be. That's love based obedience. So it's marked by love. It's marked by obedience. And then in verse 11, I told you these things so that my joy might be in you. Again, think about the vine. Joy's flowing into the vine, he says, so that your joy could be complete. This fruit is marked by joy. And we know this, that right after this, this moment, he's going to be crucified. This, when this conversation ends, he's betrayed, he's arrested, he's beaten, whipped, crown of thorns on the head, put on the cross, and then he dies, he resurrects three days later. He's preparing his disciples. Connect to me because I'm going to do some stuff through you. I'm going to do some things through you, and it's going to be ministry. Remember in Acts 1.8, they're waiting in the upper room. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. These guys are going to talk about Jesus. People, 3,000 people are going to hear it and come to know him day one. So fruitfulness, yeah, it's ministry. It's us talking about Jesus and seeing people's lives changed. And then he repeats this twice. He says, if you ask anything in my name, my father will do it. Meaning, when you're hooked into the vine and God's heart begins flowing into your heart, you begin to sense this is what God wants in the world. This is what God wants for my life. This is what God wants for my family. This is what God wants for my neighborhood. And we begin to pray those things. Lord, I pray for my family. Father, I pray for my neighbors that don't know you. We begin to pray according to God's heart and then he loves to answer that prayer. Because it's not you asking for the new Mercedes or whatever that thing is that you want, right? It's praying with the heart of God. And he's like, you, you will have it. You will have it. Because it's his heart flowing into us. So, here's the thing. A branch, if you've ever looked at a branch, it doesn't look real worried. It's not ring. You and I, we hear a message like this, and I think we start to go towards the, the side of like, am I being fruitful? Am I being fruitful enough? It was, it, have I done enough good things, God? I mean, have I proven to be your disciple? And we start to kind of wring our hands. We get a little bit worried, like, am I doing enough to be fruitful? And here's the thing. Remember this. Remember this. Remember this. You are are a branch and you will bear fruit it's natural you're made for it it's normal it's gonna happen but when you see a, a fruit tree it's not like you plant it in day one you're like boom we got oranges today no 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 no, no. right time process nourishment rain sunshine, all that stuff. That's how we stay connected to the vine, his word, his truth, prayer, seeking him. And guess what? The fruit 
will come. It's natural. And lastly, the third point is this. You need to remain in his love for you and not your love for him. He, he uses that phrase, remain in my love. You and I, in our spiritual walk, we have this up and down thing, right? We, we have times in our life, maybe there was a time in your life where you went to this conference, you, you went to a camp as a young child, or, or you've had a, an experience where God just used you in some amazing way, and you're like on cloud nine. You're like, me and Jesus are connected. Boy, I am in the vine. It's like crazy. And then there's the other time in your life where you're like, I don't even know if I like want to read my Bible. I don't really want to be a part of a church family right now. I really just don't feel like it. And that's how we are. We have ups and downs. We have high moments and ecstatic moments and we have low moments. And the thing is, if you're basing your connection on this, your connection's all over the place. And, so the, and through the middle of that up and down, Jesus lays this perfect plumb line of his love. Remain in my love for you and not your love for me. So in the midst of the ecstatic moment or the lowest moment of your life, you have the ability to hook into something that is eternal, that's unchanging. It is the perfect love of Jesus. Jesus, it's not like one day he dies for you, the next day he's like, I don't think I'm gonna die for you, right? He did it once and for all. It's done. It's an eternal reality. It's, it's true today. It's true tomorrow. It was true yesterday. He loves you so much that he died for you. This is something you can hook yourself into. And here's the thing. When you start to do that, this big swing becomes like this. And then I think it eventually becomes more like this because we're, we stop basing our connection on our perfection. And we begin to fixate on what Jesus has done for us. Don't fixate on the fruit. Fixate on his love for you. It's unchanging. And fixate on this good gospel news that Jesus has done it all for you. None of us are perfect, like none of us, me especially. None of us are perfect, but his love is. And that's what he's calling us to hook ourselves into. I wanna close with this thought. This passage bumps us up against some things that I think are maybe a little bit uncomfortable to us. The first one I want to point out is in verse 6. He says, if anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. You see, there are those who aren't connected to the vine. If, if you were driving down a highway 
And over that highway, if you've ever been on like on a two-lane road in Texas, right, you're just kind of hilly, it's, there's nothing around. And over that next hill, an 18-wheeler had had a massive ex- accident, had turned over on its side, right? And you're about to speed 65 miles an hour into an unseen catastrophe. Now, you're going to want someone with flashing lights going, you're gonna want some cones on the ground, and you're gonna want someone on the side of the road like waving you down saying, stop, stop, there's something up ahead and I don't want you to hit it. And that's me today. If you're someone who's not connected to the vine of Jesus, there is a day coming and it's catastrophe, it's fire, it's judgment. And I hope you know by now that I'm not some fire and brimstone preacher, but I am the guy on the side of the road saying, no, 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 stop. Please, please don't go there. Don't go there. And so if you're not connected to the vine, Jesus wants to connect you. He wants you to be reconciled. He wants you to hook yourself into him. We do that by believing in him, by faith, by simply saying, Lord, I am a sinner and I I believe that you died on my behalf and Lord, I turn my life over to you. That simple prayer, that act between you and God. I can't do it for you, but you can do that. And you connect yourself to the vine. The, The second category that I think it bumps us up against who we find in in verse 2. He says, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. This first part, every branch in me that does not produce fruit. Now, there's a lot of us that probably maybe grew up in Christian homes, I hear that, I'll ask people, hey, are you a Christian? They're like, yeah, man, I was born a Christian. I was raised a Christian. Meaning this, my family are Christians. And in my home, I was taught about Jesus. I was taught about the Bible. They took me to church, whatever that was for you. And we have a way of resting on our family's faith. So you can think like, I'm a Christian, I was raised a Christian, I was baptized as an infant, right? And yet you're not connected to the vine. There's there's a way for us to be superficially connected. Like we can have this like religious connection. I go to church, I do Christian things, but yet there's no life in us. There's no sap flowing through the branch. And so if you're here this morning and and your family has had faith and you were raised that way, but you have not owned that for yourself, God wants you to hook yourself into him. Not some superficial connection, but the life of the Holy Spirit flowing into you by faith. Again, I wanna just be the guy on the side of the road saying, come on. Like, don't go there. And then lastly, this part about pruning. Have you ever, uh, I don't know if you have trees around your house. I have oak trees around my house. And uh, every now and then we've got to cut some branches down. 
right? Because the, they get crazy, they start growing all over the place, they start scratching your car when you pull into your driveway or they hit your roof when the wind blows, right? They just start damaging things because you have to cut these things back to make them grow in a way where they're actually healthier. And see, there's also this dead wood that comes up in these trees, right? And if, if that branch dies and then that big storm comes, that thing's going to land on the hood of your car or on your child outside, right? And so we, we have to go through and cut out dead stuff because it's really destructive if we don't deal with it. And so I think there's a calling to us in this passage of saying, look, is there some, there's, is there some dead stuff in your life? Is there something destructive in you that you know like God's dealing with you on? Like he keeps reminding you, you feel that thing in your conscience constantly that's like, don't do this, you shouldn't be doing this, stop doing this, and you just can't stop. Here's the thing, I think the Lord wants to do some surgery on us. He wants to cut out some things from our lives, not to hurt us, to save us, and to make us Fruitful. You were made to have a life of impact. It's going to happen if you will submit yourself to Jesus and focus on the connection, not on the fruit. I'm going to pray for us this morning. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.